to The Mob Show. I'm Mason on Business Startups Q here. This is how I do things. Big ideas for small budgets. Let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to The Mob Show. It's Mason on Business and I am been doing a bit of, I want to say soul searching because that sounds ridiculous and that's not me. I spent a bit of time doing some sort of self-development stuff in the last couple of weeks. Last 36 days or so, I spent a bit of time doing... Ten Commandments that could change me for the better. That's um, it's not a religious thing. I've just kind of taken ten commandments. That means like no no smoking, no drinking, going to bed the day I woke up. So none of this kind of like going to bed at one or two in the morning. Exercising twice a day. Been trying to do that. Even if it's just walking to work and back. I live about seven mile round trip. So I've been walking to work and back. Plus I've also been hitting the gym as well. Drink a gallon of water a day. I remember when I told my sister that, she said, oh, can't you, like, uh, die from drinking too much water? I was like, well, you've got to drink a lot of water in an hour. I remember there was a, a TV show, a TV show, a competition a couple of years back when the Nintendo Wii came out, and they did a prize. You'd get a free Wii, whoever could drink loads of water and not Wii first. Wii for a Wii. People actually died. But drinking water is amazing. We wake up in the morning, like, dehydrated. And very often, I know for me, for myself, I wouldn't drink any particular water. I'd probably have a coffee, then another coffee. That's a diuretic, so you're weighing even more. Drink Diet Coke, drink a lot of fizzy drinks, and never really give my body a chance to recover. Your spine, your joints require water for lubricating the joints. You're made up of 70% water. Um, doesn't take a lot of water reduction in our body to start having an impact on our organs and our function. And we try and we try and live, we, tr- we kid ourselves. We try and live a healthier life and go, oh, you know, don't want to get cancer. You know, can't shouldn't smoke, shouldn't eat this, should eat raw vegan, should do whatever. One of the best ways I think is just drinking water, and none of us do enough of it. So uh, I was listening to a podcast by a guy called Andy Frizzella. He's got the MFCEO project, which is um, a business. I don't know, just a businessy podcast and he runs a gym in America or a gym supplement brand and he does uh, a gallon of water a day so I thought you know what I'll drink a gallon of water so that's one of my ones so I've been doing that and I've been a bit busy and a bit negged out I suppose at work we all get them that we all get that at times and even I do and I run a business so I just spend a bit of time doing not a lot just been stressing about nothing in particular and I guess it's just sometimes from having too much on your mind or a weight of the world on your shoulder but I thought rather than do like everyday little podcasts short things that have happened to me in that particular day and there may not be anything in particular particularly when I'm doing this 66 66 day challenge I'm doing actually Uh, I got to to day 33 went to Romania because I needed to get out of the country Uh, just was stressed at work and I cracked drank alcohol so I'm back at the start again I'm day three when I, when I do this but I only go away to day 66 but I thought anyway I thought I would do one podcast a week and I'd do some notes which is something I don't do enough of and I know that having some structure will make me better because that's what I've been finding recently having some structure in the morning I'm getting up at half five pint of water exercise in the kitchen as you do um, send a bunch of DMs for business related reasons 10 DMs every day um, like to potential customers or to influencers who want to work with us doing a bit of Spanish doing some stretches moisturising it's good 
I'm, I'm loving that structure of my day and I've got no emails to distract me no text messages to distract me so it's good but anyway I thought okay I'll carry that over to doing a podcast so I thought I'd start off with my first year in business I get asked questions on Quora myself um, what's your first year in business what was that like what should I look for and I thought okay this is quite an interesting question I think talking about it will give me an opportunity to talk about some of the things that people often ask me as well like should I quit my job or what kind of company do I set up or what are the most important things to spend your money on if you've got limited money all those sort of things I think I can kind of cover that just by talking about my first year in business now I've had a number of businesses some of them have failed but I'm going to talk about Vape and Juice which is my e-cigarette chain we set it up in 2013 initially as a website so it's been going now for five and a half nearly six years this November so my first year with Vape and Juice well, what happened? So we, first of all, you know, where do you get your business ideas from? Well, I'd actually quit smoking from e-cigarettes. It helped me quit smoking. I couldn't think of picking up a cigarette now. I can't stand the taste of them, the smell of them. Uh, just ridiculous. In fact, when I hear the news only in the last couple of days, San Francisco banned e-cigarettes in, in San Francisco. Uh, and some people are going, well, you know, nicotine's an incredibly addictive thing. But you can still buy cigarettes in San Francisco. So it's a bit of a ridiculous rule and we don't necessarily know the nicotine casual inhalation of it is necessarily that bad a thing any more than drinking caffeine every day cigarettes clearly bad combustion but um but yeah for me it helped me quit smoking so i'm a case in point do do e-cigarettes help you quit smoking they help me quit smoking and so i knew they were a great product and i thought these could be good but the type of e-cigarette i quit with was one of those cigarettes ones that looks like a cigarette really the the pod systems like the Jewel was just a slightly more modern version of those. They're pretty crap, really, but it look, there was nothing else like it, and it worked for me. And then I tried to buy some replacement parts and spare cartridges, and I just couldn't find any of them because I, I was in the UK, I bought it in America, and they were hard to come by, buy the wrong ones, and I just thought, oh, this would be such a good product if you could have a kind of universal system. So you might have a printer at home that you still use if you do still use it, and you can get a number of different cartridges from a number of different stores, if those stores are still open, to use them, universal cartridges. And so that's kind of what I thought, wow, if someone made this for e-cigarettes, they'd be onto a winner. Well, fast forward a few years, and that came about, and my friend of mine had one, and I just thought, well, this is it, this is genius. And how do I pick my business ideas? Well, realistically, I picked, it's gut, there's, there's not a gut feeling to it, but there's a gut feeling around what I think has the potential to be massive. I um, had a really pessimistic dad. My, dad's quite, my dad was quite risk averse. So whenever I suggested an idea, he would tell me if he thought it was ridiculous. This was probably the first thing that he ever told me seemed a good idea. And so that really stood out. But I mean, in hindsight, I picked an em- embryonic industry uh, with a clear rising demand if it takes off. Great margins, and at the time in the UK, I thought there was no competition. There was very little competition, so it was kind of a perfect storm. And we kind of tossed around what we were going to call it. That took ages, really. It actually took probably a good couple of months because I was doing something else. I was doing some other work, and I was tossing around the idea of do I just import loads of e-liquids and then become a wholesaler? And I don't really know what I was doing with that. And it seemed like this was the initial idea. Actually, the initial idea was to. Um, someone, a friend of mine who I knew had a contact with a big e-liquid manufacturer in America called Niquid, 
And he was like, well, let's go. You know, we've got, if we can get exclusivity, we'll be the main distributor in the UK. I was like, hey, that sounds great. And then I looked into it a bit more and I just thought, no, they just want us to spend $50,000 a month on their product. And we're, and we're a guaranteed buyer for them. And there are loads. And then what I'd looked into was there were loads of companies like that in America. Loads of, loads of e-liquid firms. They weren't the only ones. They didn't have anything exclusive about them. We would have been exclusive for them. They would have been, they'd have been well happy that they got someone who guaranteed to give them 50 grand every month. And I thought that was crazy because we didn't have any buyers. Now, some people might go, oh, no, it's cool. I'll find buyers. I'll find buyers. But you can't know that. And that's a lot of money to, to commit to something with no sales funnel, no sales team, no offices, no website, no shops, no retail chains. That just seemed to me a terrible idea. And it just sort of occurred to me. I was like, well, what we really need is shops. And that's what I'd do. So we come up with the idea of having um, a website, me and the wife first. And I named it after Gin and Juice, which was the Snoop Dogg song, and because it was like vape and juice. And we do get people still now who go, oh, just sell juice. But very rare. People now realize juice is actually the e-liquid. In fact, there was, a, there was a figure on Google Trends that 2016, the most commonly used term for e-liquid actually became vape juice, which is pretty cool because that's the name of the company, effectively, vape and juice. So we, we went for that name, vape and juice. Um, Rachel's a designer, a wife, so we was, I'm very fortunate. I've got someone who can knock me up drawings and, and things, but we didn't really know exactly how to make it look. We weren't we weren't there yet. It hasn't our branding hasn't changed too much in terms of how the logo is in that time, but the cost of it was very very small. We did it ourselves. We kind of knew we would go for a, um, a clean, clear branding because we wanted to have a vape shop that looked friendly and welcoming. Our business was going to be actually before it was online, so but our business was going to be offer plenty of blogs and advice and it was the whole point was it would offer the advice gap that petrol stations at the time as you sold cigar likes that they lacked so we said yeah we set up a website first i'm just i'm going off topic here a little bit we set up the website first it was a bad website the website that sucked what we didn't really know i didn't know anything about e-commerce platforms and and to be fair we still use the same platform shopify now as we did then i quite like shopify because it has loads of really clean and easy plugins and their plugins are things that you can bolt onto your site to give it more functionality otherwise you have to make them wordpress makes you update them regularly and if you don't update them in the right order the whole site can crash and i don't like that so shopify has got some built-in functionality that protects that I, I quite like it it does have some features that, that mean it makes it harder for seo but that doesn't mean you can't be found on blog posts and things on, on shopify but so we're going to be a website. So we set the website up and I was thinking, this is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. We're going to advertise on Facebook and Google AdWords and we're going to cream it. We're the first ones here. And then I set up a Google AdWords account as soon as the website was live and then found out that vaping was actually banned. It was classed as a tobacco product by Google. So we couldn't advertise on Google. And then we tried Facebook and it was the same. I was like, ah, should have done some research and let's go back here i didn't do a business plan there was no business plan i don't think i've ever really done a business plan before a business does that mean you shouldn't do a business plan i think very often people get tied up with the idea of preparing to do a business i'm gonna write a core statement i'm gonna write a mission statement i'm gonna really think about my my strategy i'm gonna get i'm gonna find a mentor i mean that's the best one i'm gonna find a mentor i need i need a mentor to help me step into this market if you need a mentor to help you set up a business, then they should just do the business themselves and employ you. It's like when you go and get a PR agency, just 
I was looking in the early days, like naively, I'd go and contact a PR agency and I'd say, oh, can you help us grow a social media account? And they go, okay, how, how many followers you got? And we go, oh, we haven't opened it yet. And I'm like, so you basically, you want us to make a social media brand for you. Why don't you, why don't we just do it ourselves? It, you need to, have, like, you can't just give nothing. So um, I think you need to just sometimes do things and you can do things in what's called minimum viable product. That means can you still work for someone else and do it on the side? Can you test it? Can you do focus groups and, and survey? There's a lot of things people they put off doing because they're not ready really, or they just haven't they haven't got a hundred percent passion for it. They have entrepreneurial tendencies, aren't but they're not ride or die. I've been doing entrepreneurial stuff since I was a kid. I used to sell porn mags at school. I used to tear out the posters, cut them up neatly and I'd sell an A4 poster from, for less money than an A3 poster of the centerfold. And then when floppy disks come out, I'd sell those with, with, with porn on them as well. I used to sell the Jolly Rogers cookbook when I was at school. That's the band Anarchist cookbook that shows people how to make petrol bombs and stuff. Uh, all sorts of stuff. Hijinks the kids get up to. Um, a good friend of mine used to sell cigarettes. He'd sell cigarettes in a, in a felt tip pen. Sell one big Super King Rothman. So it's been around me from a young age and it's been in me whereas I think some people they're not that person but they want to be that person they aspire to be that person but they've never really taken the risk they haven't got it in their stomach to do that but so I haven't really done a business plan before in fact I've only done business plans after the fact when someone says right okay you want us to invest in your business prepare a business plan uh, you want to grow your business what's your your core values what's your mission statement I've done a mission statement now for vape and juice because I think it helps build an ethos and I'm always trying to work on that and go back to that but so I hadn't done a business statement and I hadn't done any research as to whether or not it definitely would work as a website I didn't do any research into what was the best website platform to use I didn't do any of that stuff I just kind of had the gut that look people have been smoking for hundreds of years and this is a cheaper potentially healthier certainly cleaner smelling version with a wider variety of options than they currently have stands to reason it's it's a good it's a good premise and look this is e-cigarettes you can go what well, easy for you it's e-cigarettes you picked a good thing at the right time but there's loads of stuff out there like that you just get the right time loads of stuff you could crash you could you could hoard air conditioning units the little micro ones every summer you buy them in in march and february when it's raining and i mean it's June now, it's really hot, it's 40 degrees in France. I could be selling these online all day long. They'll be out of stock again in the stores. So there's always there's always a thing, you know, there's always the right time if you have the right product and you, you take a gamble. But So I hadn't done any research and we then spent about three months just sitting there, sitting on our hands thinking, how am I gonna get anyone into my website? I'd write some blogs. So every day I would write a blog and it would be questions that I thought people would ask, you know, What's the right vape kit? Well, one of our three didn't have many, didn't have a lot of stock. And so then I started building a few relationships with suppliers and trying to find different products out there. And we, we literally didn't have a clue. We had no clue. We didn't know what we were doing. And there was nothing really to copy, to replicate. And then my dad said, well, why don't you open up a shop, a physical shop? You know, you've got a website. Maybe having a physical shop will tell people about your brand and then you'll sell online. I was like, well, great. Although obviously whole point of a website often is you can be cheaper because you have less staff and less rent and less rates having a shop you therefore really want your shop to do well but so my uncle had a had a unit available to rent didn't give me any deals 
just suggested it was a good location across the street from where we were having some breakfast that morning. And, um, and we opened it. That was about four or five months now after I first set the website up. And how did I design it? Well, my dad helped me put the sign up. I made an effort with the sign. I made an effort with just making it look a bit, spruced it up inside, did it all myself. Didn't get a fancy shop fitter in there. Didn't spend tens of thousands, 20,000, 30,000 pounds. Spent the bare minimum to make it clean. Because that's what I felt people wanted. If you were gonna to go to a shop that was selling something, a healthier alternative, the shop should reflect that. Does that make sense? And this is one of the big problems I see right now in the CBD industry in, in the UK. We have a growing CBD industry and we and that's very much the kind of the health and alternative therapy and the homeopathy space. I mean I might get pulled down for calling it homeopathy, but that kind of space, that's kind of like um it's a natural product. CBD is from a natural herb. It's a health product. So going into a, a shop now that sells bongs and glassware and has a guy with a snapback cap and isn't in the best of shape selling CBD products as if it's a healthy thing, it, it's a bit of a clash. And there's definitely an opportunity, and I can see that there's an opportunity out there to create CBD pure stores. And, and I'm doing that because that's... I believe I'm into fitness, I'm into my health stuff, and I think there's definitely an angle there. So that's mine, I'm like giving you a freebie here. If you listen to this and you're thinking of a business idea, there you go, do one of those. What have you got to do? You've got to think about what product you're selling and who you're selling to, and so that I was aware of. And that to me often has been a bit commonsensical, that's a word, I heard Boris Johnson use that the other day. But I thought, look, people are gonna come in this shop because they wanna quit smoking. They've been smoking for 30 years, everything else has tried, They've got all their products from pharmacies and doctors before and nurses, so they're used to going into a cleaner environment. If you walk into a dingy shop that looks like a student's bedroom, that doesn't build a trust factor around your brand, and it's probably not gonna keep customers, and it's gonna say something negative about you, and they're probably also not gonna recommend you to their friends. So we painted it white, we did a white sign, we made the windows clear and clean so you could see in them. We put clean posts up on the walls where they were where they were in acrylic frames everything was just for the best of my finances and we had five thousand pounds we had five grand that's it five grand step a shop the best of my ability we just try to make it as inviting and as non-threatening as possible now there are loads more inviting shops out there loads more but it was just to try and make it inviting very quickly we got the local paper down within about a few days and we were the only vape shop in, in town. There was a few vendors that sold kind of pre-packaged cigarette kits, but not a pure vape shop. And we, we, we won. We won business very fast. And I worked in the business, not on the business. I didn't have another job, so that was my now my job. So I'd taken the gamble. My, my wife was like, you can't be at home all day long. Um, you're not going to, you know, you're not a millionaire. You, you know, you've got to get out there and get a job and get work. So she pushed me into that. Now, what do we do? How did I find the shop? Well, the shop I told you was my uncle's. Paid rent, he put the rent up the other month as well. It was a small shop, which meant lower business rates, which is like, a, we, have, we, don't, we have business rates in the UK and America, you've got sales taxes, I know. Business rates are a bit ridiculous, but if you're a small shop and you're only one man band or one woman band, you don't pay them, providing the, the figure is of a certain size. So it was small, I knew the products were small, I didn't have a lot of products, so I didn't want to make it like a big vacuous space. And actually I found all of our smaller shops tend to be a lot more welcoming, cozy, and they seem to do pretty well. The big shops tend to struggle more, big vacuous spaces can make people feel a bit intimidated. So there's that psychology. 
and I did a bit of research. I got some books on retail, how to set up a shop. So I'm always educating myself, I'm always learning. Just as I'm 37 now and I'm trying to teach myself Spanish again. You always gotta be learning. So I learned that the average person who walks into a shop looks right, and generally shops are built like that if they can accommodate that, and the tools comes around at the end. So you kind of sort of you peruse the shop, you come around, natural chain, come to the end, have your transaction, and you walk out. So that was how we laid it out. Counter on the right, till as it curves around the back of the shop, so it kind of curved around. We thought about those things. Now, have you opened up a shop? Are you thinking about opening a shop? Have you considered which side of the shop to put your counter on? Have you considered how that relates to people? Because obviously, if you can put it on the left or the right, and people naturally feel more confident or more comfortable walking to the right first, putting on the left makes that kind of subconscious awkwardness. Now, that's just something that I'm just thinking about now off, off the hip. But that's kind of what we thought about. We thought about those things because you want it to be as comfortable as possible. All those sub-psychological cues or clues or whatever. Just like Tesco's, you go in there and they've got bread being baked at the back of the shop and it smells and they put all the stuff you need at the back of the shop so that you walk towards it and smell the bread. There are things you need to think about and if you don't know them, you need to you know, you take time to learn. It's gonna be your business. I told you about the naming of the business. So what about, one of the questions I get asked is, you know, do I do I need to reserve the name with, with, with the company's house? Do I get a limited company? What do you do, sole trade, a limited company? I'll be honest with you, if it's your first business, you're trying it out, don't necessarily jump into getting a limited company. is isn't gonna protect your name. You could call your business, we could call our business Vape and Juice and have the limited company called uh, Metal Trays Company Limited. We could call it ABZ7476 Limited and still trade as Vape and Juice. We could be Vape and Juice, sorry, we could be AB, I can't even remember what the company name I just said was. We could be that ambiguous company name, trading as Vape and Juice. It's fine, it's cool. The true protection of a name comes in an extended brand developed on social media, on um, URL, or more importantly, going to trademarks, ipo.gov.uk, which is the intellectual property office in the UK, for example. You go to ipo.gov.uk, it costs you about 300 quid, tops, maybe about 200 quid, 300 quid, 400 quid, something like that, for a couple of classes, and you can register your actual identity. So we've got vape and juice registered, we've got I did try and register Quit Smoking Star Vaping, but they wouldn't let me do that one. I've got the CBD Dispensary, which is my new one. That's that's registered. We've got things like Pink Label E-Liquid. That's registered. So we've got a number of stuff registered there, as well as having URLs. And we don't always use the URL. We, we might have it, but we don't want to make another website for ourselves. So I would suggest if you're just testing the business idea out, just run it as a sole trader. You could even use your personal account. They say you shouldn't use your personal account. These days it's very easy to get a sole trader business account. There's quite a few out there. Tide, Tide was one of them. Um, we've done Viva Wallet, that's another one that's pretty easy. They do uh, gateways as well online. But I would say sole trader because the old phrase of how many businesses fail in their first year, it's not a strictly a true figure. 90% of business ideas don't take off. They, they just get binned in the first year. That's business ideas. And that includes people who go, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up a t-shirt printing company. I'm gonna set up a personal training company. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do X. I'm gonna do Y. Those people who say they're gonna do something don't do it. The ones who are doing it just do it and don't even say it. So those things, 90% of them fail. Now, if the first thing you do because it's easy to do is to set up a company online, limited company, you've then got the ball ache of closing that down if you just give up. If you do the hard stuff first, the hard stuff. Not the easy, fun stuff, the hard stuff first. 
then you know whether or not you'll find out it's worth getting a limited company. And when I say the hard stuff, I'm talking about selling your proposition, testing your proposition. We all like to build a new product. Product. We all like to build a new project. We all like to set up a new web domain. We can all do those things. They're easy. They're really, really easy. But what's not easy is selling stuff. And so I, I'm guilty of this. We've in our business we've created loads of different brands. We've created ideas, but we never actually gone out there and sold them properly. So that's what we're doing at the moment. We're now going back and going. Look, just no more brands. Let's just sell our brands. Let's sell one. Let's let's dominate in a, in one area or two areas and a handful of areas. But let's just that. Let's just nail those ones. Otherwise, all we're going to have of a diversity of products to sell in our shop. But if people have never heard of those brands because you never got them out elsewhere, then it's a bit of an underwhelming meet when people come to our shop and they go, we go, look, we've got loads of brands in here. And they go, that's cool. We've never heard of any of them. And they'd be like going to Lidl where they've got like Bagnus Cider and uh, Brella Martois. It kind of becomes comical. And so those products have got to be cheaper. Whereas in fact, the liquids themselves or the products we have could be better. And I think they are in many cases. So anyone can set up a domain. Anyone can go and set up a limited company for six quid online. But if you don't follow through, You've then got to wind the company up, and that's going to cost you money. And if you forget it, you're going to get fined, and it's just not going to protect your trademark. It's not going to, it's not going to do that. Trademarks are trademarks. Copyrights are copyrights, and limited company names are limited company names. So, my suggestion is start simple. Start so simple. Sole trader or a partnership with you and your mates. Sole trader. You are supposed to then go online and get a unique tax reference. You can get that from HMRC online. You can apply for one. It's just filling a few forms in online. There's nothing that complicated. It can get you in the position again of having to declare those things. My problem, my suggestion would be you're not going to get penalized if you get a unique tax reference a couple of weeks after starting because your business has started to take off. If it hasn't taken off, you haven't got one. As long as you keep your records, you can then backdate it. So... I would say start off as you get a small business bank account. It'll be Joe Blogs trading as Disco Techno Solutions or whatever. But you get your chance to find out if it actually works for you. And in fact, setting up a sole trader bank account is very easy. Setting up a limited company bank account can be a ball ache at times. I think it's got a little bit easier, but there you go. Start simple and don't spend time wasting on the easy tasks. And I say you start, how does that sound? Because you said start simple and then don't do the easy tasks. What I mean is don't spend, if you're doing a task that you know isn't necessarily going to get you a sale, isn't going to get you into a position of knowing if that business, that product or service is going to work, then probably move it to a tomorrow job. If it's integral to getting the sale, then it's a yesterday job and get on it and get it done now. So do you need to set up a limited company formation to find out if people want to buy your t-shirts on Instagram? No. You can sell them on Instagram straight away. You can set up a Facebook ad account and you can promote it straight away. You can you can DM some influencers online and go, hey, look, I've made these t-shirts. I want to send them to you. And if you like them, and only if you like them, I'd love it if you could wear them in some posts and we could talk about a referral scheme or a discount scheme or a coupon scheme or incentive or affiliate, whatever. You don't need anything other than just your product and that gumption to communicate. Does that make sense? So that's what I mean is if something it feels like you're just doing it because it's an easy job when it's like getting a business card. I don't have business cards. I don't have business cards for one fundamental reason. I think the bad luck. The bad luck to me, because in the past, I've had loads of business ideas, got business cards made because that's easy to do, and then never given them out 
because I've never set the business up because I got bored because all I spent my time doing was the easy tasks and not the tasks that tested the business model. So with vape and juice, I never got business cards. And in fact, it's been awkward and embarrassing sometimes not having those things to give out. Then I have to go to this whole story of, oh, it's just bad luck for me. So I haven't, and I probably do need one now, but I don't know, you just got NFC on your phone, haven't you? Give someone your WhatsApp. They look quite nice sometimes. Um, I think when I used to smoke weed, they were quite good because I could make little roach cards out of them, but that's about it, really. So I didn't write a business plan. I have done core value since. I didn't do any research. You should do research. Research is like one of those things that people put off before the business idea because often it tells them that it's not going to work. And a business idea for a lot of people is a Shangri-La. It's a dream. It's a to get out of jail, to get out of life. You don't have to settle for the work you're doing. It can be your future. And people will never do it because it's like having the hope, isn't it? Having the hope of that thing that you could do is almost as good as actually doing it, right? So people don't do the research. But if you don't do the research, you can end up losing a lot of money. And you see people on Dragon's Den all the time, and they're like, how much money have you put in this? And they were like, quarter of a million quid. Where'd you get that from? I mortgaged my house. And they're like, just stop. Stop now before you lose any more money, before you lose your, your, your relationship and your home. Please do the research and challenge it. And don't just ask your mates. Actually ask people on... Um, Ask them in the street, Christ, you're going to take the gamble of, of risking your capital and your job and your job security and your home. Ask people in the streets if you can. Message people on Instagram. You can do it faceless. It's not even embarrassing anymore. So there's loads of ways to test and research if your products are well-received. And you can test them out if they're well-received by giving them out for free. Take the gamble. Spend a bit of money to test it. Don't be so tight that you never test it and then have loads of stock that you didn't want to give out for free but actually waste your money because it's crap product. So that's that. Don't waste your time doing the easy tasks at the beginning. Test the business first. Test it, research it, and test it. Minimum viable product. Again, 90% of business ideas don't get off the ground in their first year. I think something like 50% of businesses fail in their first year. It's, it's a bit of a lower figure. I've read somewhere before 99% of businesses fail in the first five years. Again, I think that's... Uh, including the business ideas. 99% of business ideas don't get past five years. So yeah, I definitely feel good that Vaping Juice is at five and a half years. I'm in the 1% crew from an idea. What did I expect? I guess that's one of the other questions people ask me. is When, I, when, you, when you open up bank accounts and things, they always go, what do, what do you expect to take in your first year? I had literally no idea. A hundred grand? I had no idea. I had no idea. I wasn't even thinking about margins. I wasn't thinking about margins. In fact, I'm saying all these things. I must sound like I have no clue at running a business. I just thought this is something for the future. I didn't think it for now. And I've always been like that with businesses. I've always thought like, I'm not doing something to make money today. I'm doing something to make money in five years time. <laughs> I'm saying the same to still five years later. And I think if you chase the money, you'll never get the prize. I think that's a lot of people have said that, and I think that's true. If you chase the money, you never get the prize. It's like chasing the carrot. You're always going to be keep chasing the carrot. And sometimes that's a good thing. You know, It's good to be always trying to improve in business. But I think if you set the business up with the sole intention of just getting money now, you're never going to have the capital to grow your business. And that's what I've done. I didn't really pay myself a salary for a couple of years. I wouldn't necessarily agree with doing that because I think it can cause problems. So, I mean, that's something I would suggest doing, paying yourself a salary. I didn't pay myself a salary and it did cause me some problems because I was kind of living hands and mouth for a while, which gives you the fear behind you, definitely. But I didn't really expect anything big. I just thought maybe, you know, there should be enough money in there. I just wanted to create a great shop. I wanted to create a great shop that 
drove traffic to the website. And I wanted to create the best space for buying e-cigarettes. I wanted to, I wanted people to come back and go, hey, I quit smoking thanks to this guy and this guy's shop and this works. And that, that really was what I wanted. And I thought, if that happens, then I'll have a good business. I didn't really think numbers too much because I think it's silly. I get it. I get this a number of times when advertising agencies and they go, well, how much are you looking to spend? It's like, well, if it's good advertising and it's effective and it's bringing me sales, I will spend forever. Because if one pound gets me one pound 50, then we'll, we'll just keep putting the money back in. It'll be a hundred thousand pound, 200,000, it'll be a million a month, whatever. I don't know that figure because I don't know what you're going to produce. And I don't know what you're going to do. And the reality is I probably don't want to pay a pound. I want to test you out first, but I find it really hard to pinpoint numbers. It's too exact. You can never really get it. You can never get it exact. It's like when football teams, and I will draw, I'm going to try and draw this to a close this particular question, but when you have, a few, I don't know if you like football, but if you like football and your team has only got a draw to get through to the European tournament, Champions League, or your team has only got to avoid losing or something like that, or they've got a draw to get through to the next stage, so often that team ends up losing because just to defend a draw is in a position of a draw is incredibly hard because you're asking them to just protect one of three potential states winning losing or neither of those and that's pretty hard and i think that's the same case with when you try and target a specific sum of money you're never going to hit it bang on you'll probably surpass it and what happens when you do you know when you do get up to it then you know are you going to be motivated so i think you need to have a bigger ambition and that's where core values come in what are you really trying to do and we'll we'll meet those core values those core kind of ethos would that help your business and if it does then you have a business so so yeah so initially i worked in the business then i set up i helped set up a restaurant brand called the skinny kitchen in ibiza so i was actually outside of the business so i'd employed people from quite early on to work in the stores but then came back and I've worked in the business. In fact, for many times I've worked in the business too much. Up very recently, about a year and a half ago, I worked in the business where I worked in one of our new stores in Hackney. We'd taken it back from a franchise. And look, it was a, it was a good thing to do because the store's doing very well now. I think that's probably the team there. The team are fantastic in our Hackney store. Check it out if you're in London, if you're in Hackney, up near... KFC and Tesco's, great team there. But we had to work in the, in the business. And that's not great because that means while that shop's getting love and attention from me, and that's really good, that the customer's then got a great level of customer care. And before that, the standard of staffing in there was abysmal. And we've maintained a fantastic level. The guys there are getting way more reviews than I got. They're doing better business than I did. They're really good team. I can't stress it enough. And, but I was then distracted. There was no social media development, there was no marketing, there was no advertising, there was no new shops because I was in the business. And I think if you're in the engine room of a boat as a captain, you're not gonna be able to plot your route for the next day. So that's something to really think about is if you can work on the business, don't make the mistake I did, I'd probably work in the business. But it's it's important, I mean, I have an office in one of my stores so I can see the business as well. It's, don't, I think it's one again, one of those, not those, cut or dry like for a long time I worked in the business I think it's important to work in the business there are customers of mine who remember when I worked in the business I think that makes part of the story that you worked in the business because you know the business you, you know it intuitively you're passionate you know when someone's bullshitting you as well you know what you can and can't say you know what you can and can't ask and I also I'll give an example I'll go back to Hackney the team there are fantastic and I remember when I was showing the current manager now how to talk about our loyalty scheme. And I love our loyalty scheme. Why do I love it? If you ask my staff, sometimes they'll say, oh, because you get you know emails. It's more than that, actually. It's because we save people money. And it always breaks my heart when people don't recommend the loyalty card. 
because you're depriving someone of money. And what happens is when you have another member of the team who six months down the line says, oh, I've got a loyalty card. And they go, no, what's that? And they go, all right, well, you get points. And basically every time you spend that, you get X percentage back, you end up getting 10% savings. You know, you accumulate points and you can buy e-liquids and devices. And then people go, well, I've been in there for six months. No one's ever offered it to me once. I've lost out a load of money. And what happens is you turn a really good thing that we invested money in to something that's actually pissed someone off. That drives me up the wall because you have understandably pissed them off. You've deprived them of something because you couldn't be bothered to ask it or you assumed they wouldn't want it or you didn't know how to offer it. So I was I, I, went, I was able to, to show the manager of the store how to better suggest it and they kill it because I, I worked in the business. So there is advantages to working in the business and being genuine and knowing how to do it. But I think when you get to a certain point, if you want to grow the business, you need to work on the business. Or you certainly need to be able to take time to work on the business. And I've seen that many a time with certain franchises who wanted to grow more stores. But if they're too busy ordering stock or remember one of them was driving stock from one shop to another on his bicycle, taking him hours at a significant, like basically it would work out that it was paying him minimum wage to do it. I'm like, you're the franchisee. You want to grow the store and make the shop look nicer and do better merchandising and find new locations and motivate your staff and do management training and print and appraisals and you're your delivery boy. That's that's a prime example of when working in the business is not a good idea. So you kind of take it by kind of ear, but you've got to work out is is the task you're doing that day, I'd say beneath you or above you, but as in is it gonna move the needle or could someone else do that? Or could an outsourced outsourced service do it for you although they might be expensive the freeing up of your time could be an awful lot more valuable so that's what you've got to think about am i working on the business or in the business so there you go what else i do i talked about company name banking had some problems with banking i got I had a criminal record in the past so i had to go back to be fair even like six years ago the banks actually had a bank manager you could talk to them and i told them my situation and they assessed me and they manually approved me for a card terminal and that was cool and then about Two years ago, I was applying for a mortgage, and I think maybe it's a computer system now, and my old flag come back up, and there was no one to talk to anymore, and they just shut our business account. So even when you do well, you still get these things that bite you in the backside. That was HSBC. Thanks, HSBC, you assholes. Okay, so one of the things I'm going to say now is, is people often think, like, you know, what, what, is, what is like a priority? If you've got a limited budget, if you've got a limited budget, what is a priority spend? I was going to write a list of like top three things that are a priority spend. And there isn't a top three things because it's going to vary. It might be stock. Like if you've got, if you believe that you have, okay, here's a really dumb example, right? You are in Bulgaria, okay? And in the town, no one speaks English, but there is a vape shop there. I'm going to use vape because I know it. There is a vape shop there and their staff only speak English. So they sell the products, but no one who goes in there can speak the language. Now you could go, hey, do you know what this town hasn't got? Is a Bulgarian national speaking vape shop. I'm gonna open one. And that will be great, because people can actually communicate with you and you'll become more convenient. Maybe your hours are better as well, maybe it'll be 24 hour, I don't know. But you may need to spend a lot of your money on stock because you may find that other one has got better prices or loads more products. And if people walk in and you've got nothing in there, you might they might still go elsewhere. I mean, look, we go to Tesco's and we use automated terminals sometimes and there's no human interaction there, but they have the products we need. So it's, there isn't a set three things, but what do I think are important things to spend your money on? Okay. If it's a shop, if it's a physical shop, you need the good location. And you need a location that's accessible, that's convenient. You're competing against Amazon, and that's convenient, that's on the palm of their hands. You need a shop that's where lots of people live. 
in a shop people can see. You need a shop that can has got parking. You need a shop that, that you know, gets illuminated by the sun every morning and looks nice and bright. If you think about these things, you need a shop that's got a layout that works well. You need to be visible. And those and also you need to make sure that someone can't put a competitor store, if yours is doing well, in a better sport than that parade. So you need to find the best shop you can get that, that someone within your sector is going to spend money on. Okay? And that might cost you the bulk of your money because you've got deposits and first period rents. So those things are to think about. Branding is so important. I look at some businesses who compete with me and I just think, thank you for looking so terrible. I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. I look at them and I know I'm going to win. They've got sign spaces where their sign is the wrong shape for it. Um, they use underlined text and wingdings almost, you know, Comic Sans font, just terrible stuff. They've got blacked out windows full of stickers, grubby windows. They never paid for the window cleaner. They've got uh, hours that open after me and close before me. They've got hours that close before people come home from work. They're just, you can spot them. And then you go in the shop and there's no care or thought given to how the layout of the shop looks. They couldn't care less about staff training. They couldn't care less about uniform, having them looking presentable and kind of keeping the brand going, subconscious cues in the store. We've got um, screens in a lot of our stores now, digital screens, and they flick over to a new page. And that's to stop dwell time. That's to stop, when people are standing there and they've been there for 30 seconds, between 30 and 60 seconds, people appreciate that's how long they're there for. After 60 seconds, people's perception of time changes drastically. It's like 300% increase in the mental perception of time. This is insane. And we see it in restaurants because you go, oh, I've been waiting half an hour. And then they go, actually, you've been here 15 minutes. Um, so people do get annoyed in some places. And so having something there that captures their attention is great. But having something that could also potentially answer a question they may have but don't want to ask because they feel, feel foolish. I'll give you a case in point. I used to have, we sell a lot of star kits, £10 star kits. We used to sell them all day long. And I knew people would probably want to know what the next step up is but may not want to ask that question in case the answer is a lot of money, all right? So we put a little poster together on an A4 acrylic frame on the counter and it said, what's the next step up from a starter kit? And it was like the EVOD Mega or something. It's like 30 quid with a free liquid or something like that. And it was there and I knew while they were waiting in the queue, they could see that. Do you know how many of those we sold? Buckloads, because that was a question that people were thinking of. That's empathy. That's understanding what people are thinking about. And if you aren't thinking what your customers are going to be thinking about, then you're, you're losing straight away. So these are the things that I'm thinking of. And I know that I've, if I'm thinking of that, I'm, I'm already leagues ahead of my competitors. I'm not, I'm not always leagues ahead of them. Some of them do some great stuff. But branding is really, really important. So if you've got a limited budget, think about your branding. What does your branding say about you? More importantly, what does your branding tell the people that you think you're targeting it. And you've got to think about that. Draw a picture of of who your two or three ideal customers, not your ideal, but like who you prescribe to be a customer of your product look like. It could be a 40-year-old woman. It could be a young grandmother. It could be a 22-year-old student, college student. Whatever it is, whatever you think your customer is. And actually have a look. Go and see a competitor and see what they're doing see who is buying these products of your products or you may know because you've designed them yourself at your, at your college or whatever so that branding has to reflect who is going to buy your product if your product is suited for 60 year old white women from middle class areas 
you don't want your shop to look like a student's bedroom you know like a, a scummy student's bedroom because they ain't going to go there that's not where they feel comfortable so you've got to think about that so when i talk about branding i don't just mean your sign logo logo is quite the basic part but i'm talking about your fonts on your website the images you use the people you use in your images how your social media platforms look the type of images you use some of the people that you involve in it um do your staff have a uniform why not t-shirt easy how your shop windows look how your signage looks does it is it is it perfect is there any flaky paint all the little basic stuff the small details when i think about branding i think about your visual aesthetic and i think that's so important now a lot of people are put off doing that because that's a big cost and i and i agree you know that and one of the things i said was be keep it simple initially test it out and you can you, you can test out how a store looks if you think you are the only person in town in your business in your service and you know there's demand for it in the area and there isn't one of those then you can get away with being a bit cheaper we've done it before but when the market picks up you need to make sure that you've already upgraded ahead of them so uh, my first store in south church in essex i made it clean so it, it didn't look it wasn't the coolest shop fit in the world but it was the only one there and it was still clean and tidy and pleasant and presentable so that was the one thing i could do i spent my money on that my sign was a grand my units were a grand um carpeted the floors like 300 quid paint window stickers 50 quid 60 quid till 50 60 quid 100 quid and the rest of money was on stock and i didn't have a lot of stock it was all fit in a backpack but yeah most of it most of it was on stock and branding and the remainder i had was a bit of cash flow and that's probably what i would say is one of the big things to have so branding is important marketing varies depends on where your location is if your location if you've got a really busy shop location or a great stall somewhere with massive footfall or you're attached to a train station you probably don't have to spend so much money on marketing that's why i say there's not necessarily three things if you're in a really bad location then you need a lot of budget for marketing and that's how you should look at some physical shops your shop is your marketing to some degree not the only thing you do need to get out there and promote it as well they say people people need to see something eight times before they respond so but um, branding is important and branding fits in with your marketing because it's how people perceive your your brand actually marketing and advertising marketing is how marketing is about building a relationship with the customer next year advertising is about building a sale now and they're both important and that's how you have to look at it sometimes you do things that are more marketing a youtube channel that's marketing um, you will get sales off it but it's kind of more of a brand builder advertising would be a flyer through someone's letterbox saying have a free trial and I always talk about this, give away as much as you can for as little as you can in order to get someone to try your business and service. Get them from being uncomfortable to being comfortable. That's really big. That's one of the things I spend money on. Um, and cash flow. Cash flow is big, right? So you you quit your business and you've got a wife, you've got a husband, you've got whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend. If you don't have the cash flow to carry on the business, then you're going to end up selling a product that you have on your shelf and using that money to fund your electricity bills to and not replace it with stock you need to always be growing that stock and Alice Sugar used to say a pound in the till doesn't earn you any money and it, it's true it's, but it's also important to have a cash buffer because that takes the stress off of that fear is a major driver don't get me wrong but let's be fair mental health is important and if you are erratic and stressed and hating going into the shop or your business or hating going to work into the office because it doesn't feel like it's working and everything else is falling out around you and you're now looking for jobs on career websites or whatever 
I can tell I haven't used one for a long time. I don't know what they're called. Then that's going to affect your business. You need to be single focused. You need to, you need to feel that there's the scope for it to work. Doesn't mean don't try something with a limited budget. If you perhaps don't have a ton of money, I didn't have a ton of money, but I had enough to pay my initial bills. Cash flow is important. So look, this doesn't mean that you can't do business without those things. But if you're asking me what are really important things to consider from the outset, your branding of how your business looks, marketing slash advertising, very important. If people don't know you're there, then they're never going to come through the door. Simple as that. And having a bit of money for cash flow, spare cash. So really it's two things and just save some money. I think it's so important. Cash flow is really important. Don't get into the habit of, though when I say spend and grow your stock, we used to spend, say, say, we, say we'd get £10 of sales. And the cost of those goods was £5. Because I wasn't always ordering the stock myself, sell £10, buy £10, sell £11, buy £9, sell £10, get £10. We would end up, obviously it was more than that, with no cash flow because we were just holding more and more and more stock. So you've got to make sure you replace what you've sold and grow it, but grow it sensibly and sustainably so you have that cash flow because you can't pay a bill with a product. That brings me to really the last thing, I, I suppose, which is should I quit my job? to start an idea and I think you can hear my paper notes in there I hope you found this a lot more organised and structured as well I've done notes on this one I feel that has helped definitely should I quit my job to start an idea I think you can test an idea without having to quit a job I think having the fear of no job definitely drives people having the fear of no income is definitely a major motive if you're a salesperson and you have a product to sell but no no job no salary then yeah you're going to get on there and pick up the phone and hammer it because you need to pay those bills but I think it's naive. I think if you can test a business idea without quitting your job, why would you leap straight away? Why not test it if you can? Do it in your part-time hustle. You get in from work at five o'clock, six o'clock, work till midnight. You've got four hours, four hours every single day. One hour every day for a year is nine working weeks. That's a, hot, that's a whole lot of working weeks to put in in a year. So you, you, you could do one hour of DMing on Instagram, promoting your product. Uh, one hour if you've got a product you're trying to wholesale. One hour of doing that a day. You could do one hour of working on your design of your products. You could do half an hour of making a thumbnail for your Instagram. You could spend that time you get in from work rather than watching Netflix, uh, watching Place in the Sun or whatever you watch. You could spend that time doing this. You can commit that time because it's your thing. And look, if you're not going to do it when you've got security of a job, there's never a better time to do it, really. I think there's so many things we waste our time and money and we sit there on our phones just scrolling. I'm more guilty of it. I find myself doing it sometimes and I go, like, oh, Mason, stop. Um, and I try and just use my, Insta- my Instagram for business. But yeah, it's hard. So there are loads of distractions. But if this is something you truly want, if you want to change your life, if you want to change your future, I can't recommend enough what you can get from your life by doing your own thing I, my life is it's crazy like I, I find it stressful and as I say I haven't done a podcast for a while I've, I've been doing them but I haven't posted them because I have been stressing a bit I don't even know why we got I think as we just opened too many new projects and I'm trying to get things I'm trying to do things better with our new products when I'm business to business do them and it's kind of stressing me and I got a kid as well and uh, it's just hard really uh, I've been getting up very early so but anyway I think if you've got the motivation and the passion you've got a good product and you think your product can work and you've tested it and you've asked people and you've sold a few do it in your spare time first and then when you start seeing traction you start seeing that those those two hours you do every night it doesn't have to be a lot of hours two hours you do every night when you see they start working and you're getting sales and it's actually like it's really good side income maybe do the 
holiday test. When you earn a holiday out of it, <laughs> I'm saying this because my wife and her sister run a business doing wedding stationery, stories like ours, and they saved themselves up for a holiday to go to the Norfolk Broads with my son the other day. So uh, maybe their business passed the holiday test. And I think they're both really good and they could easily have their own business and do it full time. But I need, I need the wife and I need Becky, my sister-in-law as well, to do our blogs. But I think, yeah, have it, give yourself like a test where if you are able to pay your bills maybe, so let's do that. If you, in your side hustle, are able to pay your bills in a month from the work you do, then stick at it for another month and then another month until you start pulling your hair out. But seriously, if you can start paying your bills and live off the income you do in your spare hours of an evening, then you know you've got something. Now that's not the only way to test a business because sometimes you do need a full day and you need working days maybe as well. But I think in answer to the idea, should you quit your job to start an idea? I think if you've got a job and you've got security, you can test that idea first. That's not always gonna be the way but I think a lot of the time you can. Look at some of the biggest businesses out there we use right now, Facebook. I get Mark Zuckerberg is a rare breed, but it was stuff done from his home computer. There's a lot of things out there you can test. I have a side business, which I'm doing with CBD Star, and it's not, I say it's a side business, but we have our day-to-day business, me and my business partner, but we have this as well on the side. And if this, if we worked for Vape and Juice, as opposed to you know, run Vape and Juice, it would still be our side hustle, and it started to show revenue. And we're not working in the business, generally working on the business. So I think don't quit your job until you've tested the idea, if possible. And then when you realise, actually, this is this is giving me the income to pay my bills, then jump. Because then you can give your full heart to it and you know it's tested and you know it's worked. And then maybe you worry about getting a limited company. But there you go. So that's my first year in business, what happened for us and where we got to. What do we do business-wise? We very quickly started doing, a, we did about 100, 100 grand, I suppose, in the first year. Didn't do massive business. No, actually, no, we had to, no, we opened a second shop, actually, within about a month of opening the first shop after getting married. So I think we did actually about 180K first year. I'd probably be well off with that figure. And I opened the second shop straight away because I didn't want someone else to come along and stick one in the town centre. So we took the gamble and we used the wedding props from our wedding, which was in the middle of that. And then we went off to Ibiza and helped open the Skinny Kitchen which is still going now. And so I, yeah, just did a lot very quickly, I suppose. But um, so a lot happened in that year. And then we got back in about October and I felt that I'd neglected the vape business quite a bit by not being there and not being around. And I, I don't know how people do this where they're just a shareholder and they're not there. I think I'd need to be there on a day-to-day basis or at least around the corner. But yeah, a lot happened in that year. And I hope this has been helpful. And if you've got any questions or any concerns or anything you're not sure about, I'm happy to answer any questions. You can get me on uh, on Instagram. You can just DM me. It's at the underscore mob show. I'm going to check that's the case. Or you can get me on Facebook, Mob Show Podcast. But please, if you've, if you've got a friend of yours who wants up a business or is talking about doing it or a loved one, please share them on this this podcast and uh, and don't forget to give us a rating if you can. Give us a crap rating if you like. But I hope this has been helpful. And this is The Mob Show. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's show. Check us out online, themobshow.com. Check us on Twitter, the underscore mob show. Always chucking out bits of advice there. And follow our journey of setting up a CBD shop in the cannabis space, Instagram at local CBD shop. Or you can find yourself on Instagram, the underscore mob show.